What is up? My name is Elijah. I'm here at the McKinney campus to interview some wise people about what wisdom really is. Let's go do it. Hey, welcome to the wisdom test of Hope Fellowship. What's your name? Nick. Nick, I would love to know why you look so wise. Because I'm a wise guy. Got any tips to look wiser? <laughs> Don't dress like you. <laughs> Don't dress like me. Interesting. We're talking about wisdom here. Tell us some wisdom on how to grow a better beard. Just don't listen to your wife. Don't listen to your wife. Keep growing it, guys. You can do it. Ozzy, you have a great beard. Let's be honest. Thank you. Give some tips of wisdom to people, all those guys that are trying to grow a great beard. Uh, you just got to wake up every morning and push really hard. <laughs> I don't know how that would work for me, but I've been trying. What's the best tips of, or wisdom that you've gotten in your life? Every day is a new day. Every day is a new day when your name is Ozzy today. Dropping hot bars. Dropping bars. Do you know what wisdom is? It's like something that is like a spirit for God. Which... Okay, a spirit for God. Okay. What's, what's something wise that your dad's ever told you? Like, hey, you need to do this. I'm reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. He's like, girls, good answer. It's just like we practice. If you had to pick a, a wise store to go to and you're giving advice, what's the wisest store to shop at? Ooh, you know, one of the Plato's closet or something. Plato's closet. What is the wisest store? You're gonna go shopping. You got some money in your pocket, but you're not trying to spend too much. What's the wisest store that you can go to? Probably Target. It's me all the time. No, it's not the wisest place. Listen. Just because it's a $5 section doesn't mean you won't spend $100 there. You look wise. Thank you. Why do you look so wise? I think it has to do with the early onset graying of my beard. Okay. Are you dying it yourself? No, I'm just dying naturally. <laughs> my name is Elijah, what's your name? Rocky Gray. Rocky Gray, what a name, that is the name. So we're talking about wisdom. What is the wisest thing you've ever told anybody? Think about what you say before you say it. That's great for me to know, honestly. That's great for me to know. How about this? What's the wisest thing anyone's ever told you? Uh, just be humble about things. Live your life like you're supposed to. Trust in God. Rocky knows. All right, this is a serious one. All right, you look wise. How did you look? How do you get to looking so wise? If everything that I am is because of the Lord. Oh my goodness, man! Rocky's hitting me hard. So I don't know. What a guy. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to a brand new series that we are calling the Summer Series. And in this Summer Series, we're, we're talking about wisdom. And, and, and so through June and July, <clears throat> here's where we're going to go. We're going to go through the books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Those three books make up the, the wisdom literature, poetry of the Old Testament, and together, they teach us some really important lessons about the meaning of life. And in this series, I, I'm excited because as we, as we talk about these, these books and we talk about wisdom, you got to remember that wisdom starts right here. It starts with you. You draw a circle around yourself and you, you work on you. We, we've learned this in Regen. We learn it in Reengage. You learn it probably in a lot of counseling sessions that this circle is you. And I've talked about it many times. And 
you can look at other people's lives and say, man, they, I wish they were more wise. You can look at your kids or your parents or, you know, your friends, your neighbors, coworkers, and man, they need to walk in wisdom. Well, this series is for you. This series is for me. It's about drawing that circle and, and understanding that I can only change me. I can only be a part, let me say it this way, I can only be a part of the change as I surrender to the Holy Spirit and, and as I surrender to the Word of God, then I can work on the areas of my life that lack wisdom. And so that's where we're going to go. And, and here's how I kind of break it down. Um, I kind of look at it this way. June, we're going we're gonna to do a Proverbs overview. So we're going to spend June in Proverbs. And then in July, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes and Job. Now, obviously, we're not going to deep dive in each word by word or verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But we're going to look at these books and, and figure out, hey, what's a good overview? What are these books saying? They say a lot of things, but what are they saying? And here's my view or my take on each of these books. Proverbs is going to give us how to live. I mean, how do you live your life? There's so many things in Proverbs that are so good. And, and, and you know, it was written, you know, 2,900 years ago. But yet, so, so fascinating how it is relevant to our lives. The book of Ecclesiastes is going to show us why we live. So many things in that book that are interesting. We're going to take a look at why it is that we live. And then Job kind of tries to help us how do we live through pain? How do we walk through life when it's not fair, when it's challenging? Now, today, as we start the, the book of Proverbs, we're going to begin with the pursuit of wisdom. We're, we're just going to look at, at, at this, this book and this weekend and dive into what does it mean to really pursue wisdom? Now, here's our plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a, kind of a, a lot of Scripture. We're going to look at Proverbs 1, and I'm going to give you some observations, and, and then we'll be done. But, but I, I want you to, again, remember the big circle, and that circle is you, and that circle is me, and I can only, and you can only change yourself. I can only change myself. So when it comes to wisdom, I want you to really think about this message as it pertains to you and what the Lord would want to say to you. Let's start with Proverbs chapter 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. So Solomon wrote this, uh, as I said, about 2,900 years ago, 900 years before Jesus or so. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let's go down to verse 20. 
Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when, you, when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me, for they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the, listen to this, therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. I want you to get, let that sink in just for a minute. Wisdom, this is kind of wisdom talking, calling out saying, why don't you listen? And when, the, when over, you know, tragedy or, or you know, crazy things happen and engulf your life and you're just like, because of your lack of wisdom, because you didn't listen, therefore they must eat the bitter fruit of their own way, choking on their own schemes. I have two thoughts, call them observations, about the pursuit of wisdom as we read it in chapter one. Let me give you the first one. And that is, True wisdom starts with a genuine relationship with God. That's where it starts. True wisdom. Now, what do you mean by that, John? Well, you can be wise with your money. I talk to a ton of people. You can talk to people who do not believe in Jesus Christ, do not believe in God, would call themselves an agnostic or an atheist, very successful people, very good with money very wise with money, very wise with uh, entrepreneurship, very wise with the way of the world, you know, all those things, right? What I'm talking about is true wisdom. It starts with a genuine relationship with God. And, and here's the, the passage I want to go back to, verse 7. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Not just any kind of knowledge, but true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. So let me kind of talk about the fear of the Lord, because that sounds, if you're new to following the Lord, if you're new to this Christian faith and you hear fear of the Lord, that sounds like a negative, right? Well, really the, the, the word in the, Greek, or in the Hebrew actually, it just means reverence. It, it means that you understand that you are less than God, that we are less than God. So the, the question for us is, is this fear of the Lord, this reverence for God, this understanding of who he is and who we're not, I, I think there's some ingredients for this relationship or this fear of God. You know, in other words, what does this fear of God really look like in practical ways? Not like, oh, I'm scared of you, get away from me, I'm not worthy, or, you know, not that kind of fear. I'm talking about what is practically fearing the Lord look like? What, is it, what does it look like? I think there's some earmarks. 
And, and the first one, I would say, is humility. Humility is, is one of the first things that I would think of in regarding, uh, regarding the fear of the Lord. Job chapter 40, which we're going to be in in July, but he says, it says this, then the Lord said, now, the, the background of this, I mean, tons of verses that the Lord is talking to Job saying, where were you when I created the dimensions of this universe? The, the dimensions of the ocean, the perfection of all that. Where were you when I created this and I did that? I mean, he goes on and on and on and on asking Job questions. And finally, then the Lord said to him, do you still want me to argue or do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How, how could I ever find the answer? So this is where I think we, we have to start in our understanding and our relationship with the Lord is that, you know what? We're nothing. I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. It's just this humble understanding that, that, that even though we don't have all the answers, right? Even though we don't understand all the challenges that we go through. And Job had reason to question. Job had, I mean, if you read, and, and we're going to read that in, in, in the next month, but there were so many practical reasons why you would see where Job has, you know, a reason to question the Lord. Everything's taken away from him, all the calamity and the tragedy that he went through. But, but the reality is, when you really get down to it, and I've said this over and over, that the Lord's never intimidated by our questions. And I really don't think he's intimidated by our questions, but there has to come this place. When you're operating in the fear of the Lord, this place of humility, where you and I come before him understanding who we are and who we're not. Let me, let me put it on the screen like this. The fear of God is walking in a sober realization that he is God and we are not. Now, that's not rocket science right there. I mean, it's not, you know, it's pretty plain. But the reality is, when, when, you, when I think about, when I think about what does it mean to practically fear the Lord, it just means that I understand that I'm not God and that all my questions may never get answered. That all the things that I think about and all the things that I wonder about and all the things that I get mad about, all the things that I doubt, all the things that, that I question, at the end of the day, I have to either trust Him, humble myself before Him, or not. It's your choice. It's our choice. But a healthy, genuine understanding of wisdom belongs in the relationship with God. That's true wisdom. And when you find this true wisdom, the fear of the Lord is all in it. Well, what does that mean? Well, it just means walking in humility. You and I walking humbly before the Lord and before others. The second thing that comes to my mind, and, and still in this thing of, of how does fear practically work itself in our lives, is repentance. Now, I don't understand why I get questioned about this Quite often, when I talk about repentance, saying that, hey, we don't have to repent anymore, we're Christians, we shouldn't have to repent anymore. Well, I, I, I understand the, the reality of that, because how many have sinned 
many times in the past and you have forgotten to sin, you have forgotten to ask for repentance, right? You've, have to, you've forgotten to ask for forgiveness. So this is not a teaching on we have to repent over every little sin and, and you've got to remember it and you've got to, you know, make sure you acknowledge it in, in that way. No, it, it's not really that. But Acts chapter 3 we're talking about this relationship with God, a genuine relationship with God, fearing God. How does that play out? It starts with humility, and then it, and then it comes into repentance. In, in, in Acts chapter 3, it says it like this, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. So that there may be, and in fact it goes on to say, there may be times of refreshing. Repentance is not a negative thing, in other words. I mean, I think many times we think of negative, I mean, repentance in, in like an old-fashioned negative way that you got to come down here and, and you better be sorry. You better be sorry for a long time because you're a no-good worm and you're nothing. No, 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 no. That's not really what I view repentance as. Repentance is a good thing. Repentance, let me, let me put it on the screen like this. Re- repentance is not an attempt of payment for our sin and I have in parentheses here, like penance or extended sorrow. In other words, you, you and I cannot pay for, we cannot do enough things called you know, penance. In other words, you're saying prayers over and over, or you're doing something good, or you know, whatever. No, that's not repentance. It's not an extended time of sorrow that you have to be you know, really depressed and discouraged about yourself and about your sin. No, no, no. It's simply the acknowledgement of and the turning away from sin, from it, to honor the Lord. That's what, I mean, and, and that's a good thing. This is a, this is a positive thing, not a negative thing. It's a future, it's a, uh, it's a New Testament thing, not an Old Testament thing. It is an Old Testament thing, but, but it, it didn't stop there. We repent before the Lord. If I do something to somebody, one of my friends or one of my family members, and I don't say I'm sorry, I don't ask for forgiveness, I don't say, hey, that was wrong. That's, it's just an acknowledgement that, that I've wronged. I've wronged you. I've gone against your word, Lord. I have sinned against you. David, over and over, says that. And then it's a time of refreshing when you repent. Let me just say, it's not a sorrow thing. It is a refreshing thing. Say, Lord, thank you for the lifting of this heavy burden that I carry. That's called repentance. This is genuine relationship with God. You walk humbly before him and we walk in repentance. We just say, Lord, we understand that Jesus has, has paid the price past, present, and future. This is not about atoning or making up for any kind of sin or or trying to be uh, downcast or sorry all the time. It is simply a positive thing that the times of refreshing may come and my sins may be wiped away. Next thing on this this, uh, fear of the Lord, genuine relationship is obedience. James chapter 1 verse 22 says it like this, don't just pretend or don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself, yourselves. Obedience is, is, is not looking at the word, seeing what the word says, and then, oh, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to do it my way. And many times that's what we do. And that's why I'm talking about wisdom and correlating, and, and I'm, I'm not doing it, Solomon does it. He correlates the fear of the Lord with wisdom. The beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is this fear of the Lord. Well, what does the fear of the Lord mean? 
Well, it starts with humility. It starts with repentance. It's, it, it, it's obedience to the Lord. That's wisdom. And, and wisdom starts with this fear of the Lord, this genuine relationship with God that we walk humbly, we walk in repentance, and we walk in obedience. Nobody's going to be perfect at any of those things. But that's where we're at. That's what we're, we want the wisdom in our lives. We're pursuing this. And that's where it all starts, with a genuine relationship with God that is humble, that is repentant, and that is obedient. That's the beginning of wisdom. And man, that is a great place to start. So number one, true wisdom starts with a genuine relationship with God. My second observation is this. Wisdom does not mock God. Wisdom does not mock God. Let me rehearse some of the scriptures in chapter 1 again. Verse 24, I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached, this is wisdom talking, by the way. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. Well, I'm going to laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer, though they anxiously... This is, listen, this is not like God making fun of us necessarily. This is just wisdom saying, this is what happens when you ignore me. This is what happens when you do things your own way, when you mock me, when you mock my wisdom, when you mock the way in which I, I've lined out for you to walk. This is what happens. You're going to anxiously, anxiously search for me, but wisdom won't be found. For they hated knowledge. You, you hated knowledge. You chose to not fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, listen again, they must eat the bitter fruit of, their, of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. Can I just tell you, refusing to follow wisdom hurts you so much. Refusing to follow wisdom is, is like it's like walking down that road on a trail in the mountains that says, do not enter. You know, trail closed. Um, it, it's, it's like walking through or, or driving through a detour sign that says, hey, road closed, but yet you go around it anyway. It is going to lead to disaster. It's going to lead to a wreck. It's going to lead to danger. You see, you see where he's going, and he's saying, man, if you don't listen to me, in fact, if you mock me, and when you don't listen, that's mocking. When we choose to live our own way and, and, and walk not in wisdom, but walk in our own deal, our own thoughts, our own way or desire or will, that's, that's mocking wisdom. That is mocking God. Galatians, Paul says it like this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Right? 
I mean, this is just 101, right? It's sowing what you reap. It's or reaping what you sow. When you sow wisdom, and you're going to get life. When you sow lack of wisdom, when you sow mockery about wisdom or to, toward wisdom, when you do your own thing, you're going to reap, we are going to reap disaster. So let us not get tired of doing what is good, wisdom. Let us not get tired of walking in God's way. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And, and that's where I think a lot of us, maybe in, in our lives, maybe we have, I mean, maybe you say, John, I'm 42 years old. If you only knew my life, it's just been a disaster. I've, I've messed it up so bad that it's not, it's, it's not even worth, you know, starting over. It's not even worth getting back in the right trap. Uh, a track. It, it's just been awful. I've made so many mistakes. Maybe you're in a season where you've really, really made some bad choices. You have lacked wisdom. You have mocked God in the realm of walking in wisdom. What do you do? Well, what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you feel like you've gone too far? What do you do when you feel like, I'm never going to get out of this tunnel? I am never going to get out of this hole. I am never going to get out of this choice that I've made. Let me just encourage you. Make the next wise decision. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you've thoroughly messed it up? What do you do when you have mocked wisdom in your life and you've made choices that have brought you into disaster? It's hurt your family. It's hurt your finances. It's hurt your life. It's hurt your relationship with God. It's hurt everyone around you. What do you do? You do the next wise thing. What do I do next that would be wise? Does that make sense what I'm saying? What, 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 what do I do when I've messed it all up, when I, I feel like, man, I've mocked God enough. He's never going to forgive me. He's never going to really do anything for me. He's really never going to answer my prayers. No, 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 no. Next thing, make a wise decision. Make a wise decision. Don't mock God. Don't mock wisdom. Make the next decision that is wise. What is that? Does that get counsel? Is that come talk to a pastor, come talk to a counselor, come talk to someone and get prayer and say, hey, there's what I've done, confession. Is it going to regen? Is that next wise thing going to re-engage? Is that next wise thing making a counseling appointment? Is that next wise thing is getting into the scripture and reading and saying, God, I give you all of me. I go back to number one, which is a genuine relationship with you. I humble myself before you. I repent of my, my, my mockery. I repent of my sin. And I want to be obedient. You just do the next right thing. And I'm, I'm going to tell you through experience, man, when you, I mean, it just takes one prayer, one decision to say, God, forgive me. I repent. I humble myself before you. I want to walk in obedience to you. Man, that can change everything. But when we continue to go down the road of mockery, and I know we, won't, we don't use that term, uh, you know, that much, mockery, but that's exactly what it is. When we, when we walk our own way, when wisdom is far away from us because we ignore it, we're mocking 
the Lord. We're mocking wisdom. There's a legend. Leonardo da Vinci was painting the Last Supper, and he started with Jesus. And he found someone that he felt like, looked like, represented Jesus well. And so he went through hours and days and weeks and months to make sure everything was perfect. The foundation of the, the paint, the, the face, the, the, everything was exactly the way he wanted it. it took him six months just to paint Jesus. And then as he was going through the Last Supper, it, it would be six months for each of the disciples. Six months, six months, six months, six months. So six years of painting. And the last person that he decided to paint would be Judas, the disciple who would betray Jesus. And after searching and searching and searching for, you know, the perfect model, the perfect uh, person to, to sit there for six months and paint Judas, he found him in prison. And he was on death row, going to be put to death, and he got a stay from the leadership that he could use this guy for six months to paint Judas. And so for six months, he painted this guy that he chose to represent Judas. And after that six months, six years, from the beginning of Jesus to Judas, he turned that painting around and he showed it to the model who was standing in for Judas. And the model, the man, began to weep. And he looked at Leonardo da Vinci, legend has it, and he says, do you not recognize me? Leonardo says, no, I, I don't. And the guy is, is just in tears. He said, six years ago, you painted me as Jesus. And now you're painting me as Judas. And he lamented over the lack of wisdom in his life. After his painting with Jesus, he had made some wrong decisions. Some bad decisions that mocked wisdom. That mocked right living. And six years in prison. And now he's being painted as Judas, the betrayer of Jesus. And he sat there and he wept. That's what mockery looks like in our lives. When we choose our own way and we choose to live the, live the, the hard life of mockery, the hard life of choosing our own way rather than a relationship, a genuine relationship with God, it ages us. It changes the very physical person. 
And when he saw that painting and he looked at Jesus and he looked at Judas, same person, and he was like, wow, how far have I gone? And maybe you're here today and you feel like, wow, <laughs> that kind of maybe describes your life. Maybe not in prison, but, or maybe you are. But I, I want to I encourage you that as we pursue wisdom in Proverbs over the next three weeks, and as we pursue wisdom in Ecclesiastes, and as we pursue wisdom in Job, can, can, can you take steps today, starting today, no matter what you've done in the previous year, previous five years, previous 20 years, and make a decision today for wisdom. For wisdom. And what does that look like? True wisdom. Number one, true wisdom starts with a genuine relationship with God. And maybe this is you today. Maybe this is you saying, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living in prison, so to speak. I'm tired of doing my own thing. And today, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to repent. And I'm going to obey. Maybe this is the next wise choice that you can make. And my prayer is that this is what you're choosing today, if that's you. The second thing is wisdom does not mock God. Maybe you're here today and you, you know the Lord, but you have been walking in a lack of wisdom. You've been mocking wisdom. You've been mocking the Lord. Can I just encourage you, whoever you are, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, maybe it's number one, maybe it's number two, but let's make decisions today for wisdom. And let's start new today, right now, in this moment. From this moment on, I want to do the next wise thing. Lord, you have laid out so simply, clearly, profoundly what it means to pursue wisdom. It starts with the fear that we have, the reverence that we have, the genuine relationship that we have, walking in humility, walking in repentance, walking in obedience to you. And once we do that, it it's then not mocking what you've instructed, not mocking or disobeying who you've called us to be and how you've called us to live. So Lord, whoever we are and whatever's gone on in our lives, may we choose today to walk in wisdom, to walk in repentance, to walk in a new decision today, a decision for wisdom. May your kingdom come. May your will be done right here, right now in our lives as we choose wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.